0: Section 26 of *The Rose-Colored World and Other Fantasies*. This is a Librivox recording, or Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway, England. *The Rose-Colored World and Other Fantasies* by Ethel May Brodie. Faith, Chapter 8 easter monday arose with a full sun of cheerfulness and gaiety the streets were thronged with pedestrians the buses on fifth avenue were filled to overflowing on the way up to central park the cars were crowded the underground and the elevated railways streamed with passengers everywhere life and activity bustle and hurry vibrated in the air and the restaurants were as busy as beehives and ant-hills with people flocking in and out in search of food and drink and fun the boniface restaurant was giddy with business the fat pudgy little manager was bustling here and there among the shoals of customers like a ball bobbing on the surface of a rough sea he had an air of tremendous importance and a dignity quite so large as his paunch he was a jewish-looking man with small money-making black eyes an overpowering black moustache and a greasy personality for the most part his head was bald his dress suit seemed to have had its annual bath for it appeared to have been cleaned and pressed for the occasion portentous and impressive diamond ring flushed on one finger his expression was not soft and yet there was a humane upward curl of his lips which betokened an optimistic nature and some sense of humour the manager of the boniface restaurant was a keen shrewd money-maker but a jolly kind-hearted man withal the waitresses were all on duty everyone serving even more customers, and she was well able to manage. Faith, Winston, and Betty among the rest. It was to be Faith Winston's last day at the Boniface, but only Betty and the manager knew of it. Faith had never been a favourite with the girls, so she would not be missed, except by admiring male customers. Perchance Paul Sue might think about it, since the day of her rudeness in the restaurant she had softened Faith, indeed she had tried to live a better life to Betty's his secret comfort and perhaps sue's life was not so wrong as it had been for the spark of good had not died out in her heart all day every waitress was busy they had scarce a moment to themselves as the evening drew on and as the customers lessened the manager dismissed the girls who seemed most tired then came the after-theatre parties and the restaurant was active again the waitresses hurried to the different tables with salads and oyster suppers club sandwiches and welsh rabbit, and other after-theatre dainties but they too gradually dwindled away and as it neared twelve o'clock only faith winston and betty remained to wait and only two customers sat at the bonifast tables the manager had slipped into the little stall or box where the money was gathered in the change paid out where orders were carefully read over and checked and the receipts under the cans kept the lady cashier had gone home faith knew one of the customers it was pierre Gaspard but her struggle of yesterday had left her resigned and peaceful but his power to torment and startle her was gone she was waiting on him but kept at a distance after filling his orders but he attended the other customer and they seemed to be having a very merry time from the subdued laughter that was heard now and then in the quietness of the restaurant one large pillar in the centre of the room hid the two customers from one another pierre had made up his mind to outstay the other man the other man sat on and appeared to have an enormous appetite and as great an oblivion to the fact that it was time the boniface was closed his head was enveloped in a newspaper and he seemed to have no inclination to give it up pierre finished his meal very slowly he whirled away some moments with a toothpick then he lit a cigar and smoked carefully to make it last he opened his newspaper and read every advertisement in it and then he peered around the pillar at the other man he was still there though pierre could only see the back of his head so he proceeded to read the houses and lands for sale which were numberless extraordinarily cheap and most satisfactory he read the situations vacant which were uninteresting and the second-hand goods to sell which were romantic and finally he reached the heading domestics wanted but the overwhelming length of the columns subscribed to this heading flawed pierre's patience twas appalling the whole world seemed in need of domestics but the domestics seemed to have no need of the world as indeed they appeared to be as rare as sunflowers in a snow-bank so he pocketed his monocle and ceased his scrutiny of the hopeless paper still the other man sat on Pierre was not to be beaten. He lighted another cigar and smoked particularly and deliberately. He made the cigar last as long as any human cigar could last. And now Pierre Gaspard's patience was well nigh spent. Even the finger bowl, which he had doubled in several times with apparent forgetfulness, ceased to call his rising anger at the other man, and ceased to amuse the manager who looked restlessly in one direction and then in the other at his everlasting customers seemingly they were glued to their chairs and this was to be an all-night affair the manager coughed obtrusively then offensively and lastly as his brows hung down in a heavy pugnacious frown pierre felt he could stand it no longer he called faith over to his table the bill please how much he demanded irritated at his late futile manoeuvres then the manager conscience-stricken disappeared through the swing doors on pretension of having something to do pierre had to wait the manager would return shortly that is behind the scenes the manager did not wish to give offence in appearing to dismiss the customer by his coughing spell he was waiting behind the swing doors this suited pierre gaspard exactly when faith began to clear the table he took hold of her wrist and held it firmly to-night faith it is your last opportunity how very kind of you pierre you surpass yourself in thoughtfulness i thought you had sealed my doom and her lip curled with a touch of contempt this is final he said doggedly not to be continued in our next inquired faith with irony your consideration is as kind as your purpose is noble well what have you to say he asked ignoring her remark faith said nothing cruel faith my eidelwies of the cold alps have you no word for me he continued mockingly not one pierre Gaspard. then when i say i love you i will give you my all lay it at your feet what will you answer it is freedom and life such as you long for if you will come with me and Pierre watched her face closely. But her face did not change, and she answered simply, "'I have nothing to say. It needs no repeating.' "'Then you refuse me?' And a sinister expression came into his brown eyes. "'I do. Just as I did long ago, Pierre.' Pierre pushed his chair back and faced her squarely. "'Then I'll tell the manager of your Boniface restaurant,' he said deliberately, with a cruel curl of his sensuous lips." when came faith's listless query to-night said pierre and where she asked mechanically here and now faith my dear with a disagreeable laugh faith partly closed her eyes and turned a shade paler but her manner voice and face remained the same you threaten she said lightly to gain time for her thought and to shake his resolution if possible not this time i act now and he stood before her dogged and cool tell him returned faith quietly pierre gaspard was amazed what nerve he muttered under his breath he crossed the room to the stall where the manager was now seemingly occupied with cash but from which point of vantage his eyes had been wandering with an expression of puzzled surprise in their direction faith had never talked so long or so earnestly to a man in the boniface pierre leaned over the counter and spoke to the manager in a low voice the latter started in astonishment mrs bernstein glennie he exclaimed rather loudly is it true and a price offered for knowledge of her whereabouts faith winston glennie was overwrought with the strain of the last few days the mental and emotional excitement of the past week added to sunday's struggle and to-night to pierre's cruel revelation of her identity were beyond her strength to endure or control her icy reserve melted in the blaze of a suppressed life now on fire her resentment her indignation her sense of injustice and the indignity to her womanhood broke through the cool restraint of years like a river overflowing its banks and carrying all before it on its flooding and rushing torrents faith winston glennie at last lifted her voice in public in defence of herself and her life she turned fiercely on pierre as he stood near the manager brute who sent you into this world to destroy your life of another the one master you serve the devil not content with the blackness of your own heart you seek to blacken another's failing in this you seek revenge revenge Pierre. have your revenge and then she turned to the manager i am mrs bernstein glenny i go to my husband tonight, but before i go i claim the respect due to a lady and the right due to a woman this man brute he will though it were insult to the four-footed kind to so name him this man has insulted me he must leave this place at once or bernstein glenny will know the reason why faith looked at pierre and lifting her arm pointed to the door the manager stood aghast between faith and pierre betty and the other man had come forward and were embarrassed witnesses of the scene betty's eyes were full of pity for faith the other man's calm but determined the latter laid his hand gently on pierre's arm and said in a voice quiet and firm but accustomed to command and to be obeyed you'd better go sir pierre turned on him in a flash with the quickness and ferocity of a wild beast had the other man not been agile and leaped aside pierre would have struck him so shouted pierre gaspard you interfere a second time it will be your last bernstein glenny will love no mistress for a wife and he shall know the story for me Betty's his eyes filled with horror faith had regained her self-command and her voice was steady as she said coolly how dare you pierre it is a lying insinuation the manager gasped and his eyes wavered a moment but the other stood calmly studying faith and pierre go you bully cried pierre glaring at him i go only with mrs glennie's permission answered the gentleman courteously and then i take to her home faith's long grey eyes moved slowly and wearily from pierre to mr shelburne but gratitude deep and sincere filled them with tears you may do that Hissed Pierre, but jealousy is a spice of life. You and she will have enough of it when Bernstein glenny hears of these queer things. Bernstein glenny already hears answered Mr. Shelburne in a low voice, and as they all turned their eyes on him in surprise, he added, That is, if the dead can hear anything. Faith sank into a chair, faint and worn out. Dead? Is my husband dead? she asked, and then murmured sadly, and after all these dark years, and after all this last week. Yes, Mrs. Glenny, he died on the afternoon of Good Friday. And how do you know? Oh, I happened to have a clipping out of a newspaper. It was sent to me. Some friends of mine knew him. Here it is. Thank God, murmured the wearied woman as she read it. So Pierre Gaspard was vanquished the third time and he strode out of the boniface restaurant like a cur with its tail down thank you said faith turning to the other man gratefully mr had kept cool and steady like any seaman but when he looked into her pale sad face he longed to take her into his arms instead he simply said it was nothing any right-minded man would have done the same thing Faith and Betty went home together, and the manager of the Bonifast closed the restaurant more slowly and thoughtfully than he had ever done before. This was Easter Monday, the Monday held sacred as the day of the resurrection in all the churches. Thousands believed it all over the world, and thousands would believe it in the centuries to come. It was the day of the resurrection, and it was the beginning of life and freedom for Faith Winston. The End. End of Section 26 End of The Rose-Coloured World and Other Fantasies by Ethel Mary Brodie